This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 97, The Federation of Soul Strategy Guide. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Well, maybe that's what we'll do is we'll, we'll just repeat the bits from before uh, with better strength. Because it's like we're not trying to improve the bits. No. You know what no, I mean? The bits were not perfect. We're not doing around. a second go on all of these guides so that we can get better bits for the beginning of the episode. Everybody, and let's be honest, everybody's <laughs> least favorite part of the show. The main <laughs> problem with this show, and I'll say it right now, is that... <laughs> It's you, Matt, a serious board game nerd dweebus, and me, Hunter, a guy that, yeah, I mean, I sort of play the game. I, I don't really play it. I've never played it, ever. I, that's actually <laughs> something I want to say on the record before we start getting really serious yeah. back into strategy talk. I've never played this game. <laughs> I just kind of play it by ear you know what i mean just reads it he just reads it man i just read a lot about it and i like talking about it to be he's fair. a go with the flow kind of guy i'm a go with the flow kind of guy uh and i think it's perfect that we are finally really starting the show over you know what i mean like really getting back into the nitty gritty of what this show should be are you yes. excited about that matt I so it's funny because we've been working on this soul guide for kind of a while in terms of like playing test games and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I've learned is I hate soul. Uh, so yeah. like on that end, I don't enjoy it. But as soon as we sat down and started like hashing out the details, boy, it felt like it, it was like good to be home again kind yeah. of feeling like, oh, here we are. This is the show. This yeah, is why so, we came around. So this, I think, marks the end of what has been kind of a theory crafty um, part of the show. We've had way too many episodes lately where it's the show talking about the show. Yeah, um, right. that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that is, I just want to assure everybody that is over and we are back to meet just meat. We've got yeah. some juicy steak for you here today. There's I have nothing, no idea yeah. how long this episode is going to be. <laughs> oh, we are committed boy. to it not being separated by parts. Yeah. So we might be here for a minute. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, it, uh, it took, this is like the old days. It, if you guys know, when we started the show, it took us way too long to prepare an episode. Uh, that's how it was today. Yeah. Uh, and the episode's going to go way too long. Longer yes. than a podcast should be, but right. that's what this show is, and that's what we need to accept, Matt. And it should be stated, uh, if you're hanging around for the first time, this is a great place to be, uh, because our goal is to really hit these these guides from the ground up. We've yeah. done guides before, and those are decent to get an understanding of things, but there is some stuff that it was too early on. We got stuff wrong. Uh, things have changed. Just the meta in general has shifted. So this is... Uh, a more thorough look at what soul looks like today. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I'm excited just to have something new for people to crunch their right. their heads around. Uh, yeah. Because we're, we're Crun really... Crunch your heads around. This, that, this that's a is sentence. your soul guide. Yeah. This is your soul guide, and, and yeah, we want it to really be that way. Yeah, you got to really crunch your head around 
what Leave me alone <laughs> why would you do this to hashtag me? if you could crunch um, your head around it this this week if you guys uh review the show if you could say <laughs> this is one of the crunchiest podcasts for your head these your two head. are some real head crunchers yeah we're gonna get really head crunchy today um Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to talk about the Federation of Soul. Um, if you listen to our original uh, Federation of Soul episode, you can just go ahead and throw that guy out. Um, we Everything we have in this version is going to be better and more updated and more succinct yep. and more exact. That's yes. the idea. And the other big improvement to the formula is we have done pre-errata. Uh, if you're familiar with the show, errata is something we do at the end of the episode where we pick up on stuff we messed up last week. Well, we decided these these guides need to not be something where you listen to part of it here and then you got to check in next week for the last 20 minutes to get like the rest of the guide. So we hit up the community last week and said, tell us, tell us your thoughts on Soul so that we can include it in the guide. So if you stick around to the end, there's going to be points that disagree with things we've said in here so that hopefully you get an overall look at Soul, not just... How do Hunter and Matt play Soul? It's right. it, it is hopefully you have all the information you need to make your own, uh, you know, assessment. Right. And our goal with this show from the very beginning has been to present to you: this is how me and Matt uh, think of this faction. This is how me and Matt think of this concept within the, within the board game itself. This is not the only way to think about it. Definitely and the community not. frequently disagrees with us, uh, and we. We just want that to be a part of the show. That is to, that is just another element of it. As um, as a last point to go deeper into that, like the mm-hmm. whole point of this uh, is we can't ever say our our suggestions are final or the best. Uh, we've been playing a lot of Root recently, just in preparation for just thinking about that game. Uh, and and root and games like root are are a thing where there is a strategy that works right there's a thing that you should do and it it is it is the way to make things happen the best way almost every time and and like you don't have to stray from that this we have our best suggestions but twilight imperium is not that kind of game in general like there's always an alternate path there's always a different way to do things the game is too complex yeah yeah all right and with that very uh, that disclaimer that's really similar to the disclaimer we did before, actually, at the beginning of our guides the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start this journey once again. Yes. Uh, Matt, tell me about the Federation of Soul. Let's do a quick overview yeah. and brush up on all the old details. So we're going to cover all their basic things. Uh, first things up is let's just talk about what they start with. Uh, they start with Neural Motivator and Anti-Mass Deflectors as tech. That's the ability to basically draw an extra card in the status phase and the ability to move through asteroid fields. Not a big mm-hmm. deal, but blue-green is a great start for them. Uh, right. They start with these units, two carriers, five infantry, one destroyer, three fighters, one space dock. If you listen to our old guides, and just in general, we talk about the concept of 1C4I. 1C... 2C. 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 I'm sorry. 2C, 4I. 2C is two carriers. 4I is four infantry. That's the best start you can have or like the most mo- most fundamental start you can have to take two systems near your home system, right? right. That's, that's a way to get four planets very easily. And they have that plus an extra infantry and some fighters and stuff to, to defend. So it's yeah. a great starting fleet. Uh, no complaints there, basically. Right, and, and, last, and great and great starting technology too. This is a yes. good start overall. Well, and we'll get into it, but it feeds directly into everything else they're going to do. It's kind of ridiculous how much uh, they just got kind of the the lottery here in terms mm-hmm. of things they start with. Uh, their home planet 
is a planet with four resources and two influence. Uh, you'll basically never use that influence, but it's four resources, which is what you want to start with. Four resources means you can get a tech unimpeded, even if you're doing it off the secondary of tech. There's right. plenty of factions. In fact, what what did we count out earlier? Eight? Uh, it's a, it's about it's it's a little over half of the factions yeah. can uh, always afford tech on round one. Right. Basically. Uh. So so. You're one of the factions that can definitely afford tech, which is a big, big deal. Let's cover all of their abilities with just like quick little notes about yep. what is what is good here. Uh, their two faction abilities are Orbital Drop. As an action, you can spend a token from your strategy pool to place two infantry from your reinforcements on one planet you control. This is a great ability that we are going to propose you use uh, pretty Frequently. often. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because the whole thing about Soul is you're able to defend yourself very, very well, and this ability makes that even better. Now, can uh, we also, can we break down real quick? One of yeah. the most important part of Orbital Drop to me is that you are getting to place two infantry on a planet without having to carry those infantry out. So sometimes yep. I feel like newer players will look at that and be like, that seems like an awful lot to pay one CC for two infantry. Um, that's almost like three, in, in, in Unaligned Magi's turn, right. that would be three trade goods for two infantry, which is not a great deal. However, yeah. you're getting to place them wherever you want, which is, that is the kicker. That is the important part that you should focus on. Yeah. Yeah, to be clear, Magi's math is actually two resources or two trade goods equals three. It's weird, whatever. But the point is, yes, it feels like you're spending too much for two infantry, but what you're actually paying for is the ability to put them anywhere, not where you have a space dock and you don't have to carry them somewhere. What you're doing right. is dropping them somewhere and then taking them somewhere else even further away. It allows you to get more infantry in a play in, in any place on the board faster than basically anybody else would because everybody else has to build infantry, load them on the carriers, and then place them where yep. they want them. Yep. Your second ability is versatile. When you gain command tokens during the status phase, gain one additional command token. You get an extra... Uh, action per round uh in some ways people just think of this extra action as being what you're going to use for orbital drop right like you do the same amount of actions but you're also going to gain two free uh, two infantry somewhere right um and that's a decent way to think about it it's fun to think about too the fact that you can eventually get hyper metabolism which gets you another command token per round so you could be getting four command tokens per round so soul is just able to do more than any faction and right our goal with Soul is to exacerbate that and make that even bigger, which we'll talk more about later. But our strengths as Soul is the ability to do way more than anybody else per round. Right. I would say that Soul, when it comes to command token dependency and also just how many command tokens they get, um, kind of rival, I would say, Necro and yep. Jolnar as right. far as like their command token economy being really favorable. Yep. And, it's, yep. and it's all just from this ability. It's pretty basic. You just get one extra. Yeah. Uh, the other two things we have to talk about with the Federation of Soul is they have two custom units. Uh, one is their carriers are different than a t standard carrier and their infantry are different. Uh, in both cases, it's pretty simple. Uh, their basic carriers have two extra capacity and their basic infantry uh, fight one better, right? right? So a normal infantry hits on an eight. These guys hit on a seven. Uh, when you upgrade that, which means what their two faction techs are, is an advanced carrier which increases that capacity to eight and makes the movement two. That's a huge deal. Uh, eight capacity is double what everybody else is getting, uh, and mm -hmm. most people don't upgrade their carriers, and even those that do will only be set at six. Um, 
So for you, you can think of it as two to four extra fighters to just soak hits or even more infantry to invade planets. Eight capacity is crazy. Uh, it's, it's quite a lot. And it's a very, very, very valuable ability. The flip side of it is the Spec Ops 2 upgrades to a combat of six, which is the best combat value for a ground force you can get. The only other faction that can match you is the Sardak Noor uh, if they upgrade their infantry. And to make matters worse, uh, Spec Ops 2 has the ability to, um, just like a normal infantry 2, you can basically roll a die when they die and they go back home. But in Spec Ops 2's case, even that gets increased by one. So you now have a 60% chance of your infantry just going back home to further defend your home system when they die out in the right. field, which is right. a big deal. Uh, they are a four commodity race, which is uh, fantastic for their potential to trade. Um, I would say of all the four commodity factions, though, they might be the least traded with. Um, we yes. will get more into that when it, when we talk about trade in particular. Um, I, I feel like of all their advantages, the four commodity one is the one that I feel personally the least, but it is there. And a lot of yeah. players uh, make a, a great deal of use out of right. the fact that they are four commodity factions. The biggest thing is you should try to use it, but... Basically, don't be surprised when it doesn't work. Right. Uh, Soul does not have a reputation of being a particularly tradey faction, uh, but right. they do have, I mean, essentially the second best situation you can have for commodities. Right. Um, their flagship is really interesting. Um, it is called the Genesis. Uh, if you remember our flagship, our awesome uh, flagship tournament, uh, <laughs> it did it did quite well in that. Um, it's called the Genesis and its ability is at the end of the status phase, place one infantry from your reinforcements in this systems space area. So that's cool. Frequently people forget about that ability. Right. Um, it is kind of similar to, to the Arborek ability, uh, in that, yeah, you just forget. Um, it has <laughs> uh, sustained damage like all the other flagships. Uh, it hits two on a five with a movement of one and here's the kicker capacity 12. Yeah, it's funny because in TI3, which we I'm not trying to talk about TI3 very often, but in TI3, the Genesis had infinite capacity. <laughs> that was its thing. Just Oh, just infinite. And it's fun to think that in TI4 terms, infinite is 12 and it definitely feels that way if you have your right. if you have the genesis out on the board it's very rare that you fill it up all the way if you get the genesis and one carrier uh especially advanced carrier two that's 20 capacity yeah that yep. is unreal and even more so it's to say that that's actually kind of uh what we've called in the past win more it's it's a bit much uh, yeah. The Genesis is great. It's really great to have, but in most cases, you don't actually need it. You're going to do just fine without spending the $8 on that. Your $8 can go towards way more other stuff that will yeah. help you more. It's it's actually kind of a shame that it's so good because they are already so good at capacity, like we were mentioning with their advanced yeah. carriers, that I feel oftentimes I don't have a very uh, solid reason to to build it and use it. Um, if If the Genesis was like a flagship for another faction, though, it would be like oh my God, you have to build the Genesis. Yeah. But the fact that you're already so good at capacity makes it kind of difficult to make a case for it sometimes. Um, let's talk about their promissory note. Yeah, it is this called, is the last thing. It's called military it's, support. It's called military support. Um, and it reads, at the start of the soul player's turn, remove one token from the soul player's strategy pool, if able, and return it to his reinforcements. Then you may place two infantry from your reinforcements on any planet you control, then return this card to the soul player. So if able is the important term there, meaning right. that Soul can sell this after they have spent all of their strategy tokens, and it essentially costs them nothing and just gives people the orbital drop ability. This is uh, something in our first guide that we got dead wrong, basically. In our in our right. initial Soul guide, we kind of said, yeah, this is cool, but people aren't probably going to get it that much. But the fact of the matter is, 
I, I mean, even if you can sell it for one trade good, that's probably a good deal. One trade good for someone else to get two infantry is not a bad shake. And if you can get more out of it, that's kind of amazing. Well, and uh, oftentimes you can get more because it is it does feel like a pretty valuable um, promissory note once you start peddling it out there. And also it's very much in vogue to sell this a lot. Right now with the TTS community, it seems like people are pulling that move all the time, and two sometimes a ridiculous. Extent. Well, the biggest thing to look at too is we talked about two C four I. Look for any faction that does not have four infantry. If they only have two infantry, you just found a target to sell military military support for like a decent amount. Right. Um. So uh, overall, I just want to say that Soul is feels like a very cleanly, like well designed faction, in that they have all of these abilities that kind of all play off of each other in a really nice, yep. like, very, very cool way. Federation of Soul is very tightly um, designed, and in that way, it's a very good faction for new players because yes. I feel like pretty much anyone can pick up Soul, look at the abilities, and kind of work out, like, oh, these kind of all go together in, like, a very neat way. I've got yeah. Orbital Drop. I've got good capacity to carry um, my, my soldiers, my dudes. Um, I get a lot of dudes, and they're good at what they do. Yeah, perfect. They're like they're they're like one of the most tightly designed um, factions that we yeah. have in Twilight. And, and that is part of the problem that we're going to yes. run into yes. that we're going to cover throughout the day is they're so tight and they're so good that the meta has shifted so much against them that from the get go, people will be working against you. Now, if you're brand new to TI, that might not be the case. Maybe you grab soul. You're going to maybe find some very, very easy victories with them. And then as soon as your group becomes accustomed to soul that's going to start becoming way more difficult because people are going to put an excess amount of pressure on you. And that's going to be a right. lot of what our guide talks about today is how do you deal with that pressure that comes with being one of the best factions in the game? Right. Um, I do want to say something for experienced players before we get, we're just about to get into the early game uh, part of the guide. Yeah. But what I want to say is that we are not straying too far from the formula uh, nope. That is traditional for a uh, soul player. I realize that might disappoint a segment of the audience, uh, especially experienced players. What we are, what we ended up deciding to do was to try and outline the formula in as specific detail as possible. Yep. And that I feel like if you follow, if you follow these rules and these points, you're going to have a shot, a very solid shot. Yep. Um, I feel like in if. If you try and stray from the traditional formula with soul, we never found something that felt as solid as what people normally do. So what so and for new players, I'll say this. What we're about to tell you, experienced players are gonna see this coming a mile away. Yes. Yeah. And so that means like you need to execute this pretty tightly and keep your eyes on other people because yeah. they know what you're doing when you start to do this. Right. Yeah. If anything, the the biggest flaw of Federation of Soul is their game plan is so obvious and narrow that it makes it very easy for other players to find ways to get in the way of it. Yeah. Uh, so that's what you're going to be up against is people constantly looking at you going, I need to stop you. And I probably can kind of find something that gets the work done. With that being said, though, this is our guide for how to execute this plan as cleanly and as, as, delicately as possible in yes. order to avoid that from happening in order to avoid someone stopping you from executing what is kind of the most obvious twilight imperium plan ever yeah yep. so here we go let's, let's talk start, about the early game let's start with uh 
what our goal is in the early game. And then we're going to talk about strategy cards. But mm -hmm. the whole point of our early game is to do a few things. Uh, the biggest thing is what we're really doing in round one is just setting up for round two. Our entire right. round one is focused on making sure our round two is exactly what, what we want it to be. With some factions, you're just setting up round one so that you have a good little framework. With, with Federation of Soul, you have a very active goal and that is round two, you want to take Mechatol Rex and you want to be the very first person to take it, which right. means you want to get that custodian's token. That is yes. your absolute most important goal. So everything in these first two rounds is working towards that. Yeah. And why, why Matt, do you want the custodian's token so much? Why does that matter so much? It is a free point. I mean, I say free. It costs six influence, right? But mm -hmm. the biggest thing is when you think about points, there's, there's, an av there's an availability of points. You have five public objectives. You can get three secret objectives. And then there's stage twos. The stage two objectives are pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, getting all three of your secret objectives can be kind of tricky. Soul is very good at almost every single stage one public objective. Right. So the big thing is if you are able to get the custodian point, that is one point that nobody else can get, and it makes your total of points that you need to acquire one less than everybody else. And when right. I say total points, what I mean is total points through objectives. Everybody else in the game has to score 10 points worth of objectives. You have to score nine points worth of objectives if you right. get that custodian point. And exactly. every time you take Imperial while sitting on Mechatol Rex, that's one less point you have to find elsewhere. That's one less point that someone else can see coming. Oh, he wants to get four planets of a certain trait. We can block him by taking this trait. You can avoid all of the scenarios by getting what we keep calling free points custodians and imperial are free points that avoid the uh, the issue of trying to find 10 points elsewhere all right well how do we get matt how do we get to mechatol rex before anybody else how do we manage that here's your biggest advantage is soul you start with anti-mass deflectors which is a single blue tech which means you are only one away from gravity drive gravity drive lets you make ships move faster and that's how we get to mechatol fat uh, Rex right. fast. We we be we need to be fast. So our number one goal in round one is to get gravity drive. So we obviously have to do tech. Um, we have to do either the secondary of tech or the primary of tech. Um, what do we do? So that's that's four. We basically already spent four monies. Yes. Um, what do we do if we have any extra money? Uh, extra money is useful. Uh, we don't we don't want to count on it. Uh, there's there's only one situation where we can rely on having extra money. But in general, if we have extra money, there's kind of a specific plan that I think is important to adhere to, which is we're gonna build we're gonna build ships uh, because a big part of playing soul is defending your stuff. Yes. People are gonna be looking at you. They want to attack you. So it's time to always be hunkering down. So with extra money, the number one the end goal is to build one carrier, one destroyer two ground forces, and two fighters. That's mm -hmm. six production capacity. That's the maximum of what you would be allowed to build in your home system, and that costs $6. Now, if you if you end up getting less than $6, it's okay. Knock off the destroyer, and then maybe knock off the fighters, or, or maybe knock off the ground. I don't know. It depends on what you want to do, right. but that carrier is kind of the most important part, so the three bucks is really nice, uh, and then anything outside of that, you add to the list. Um, right. So... 
All of that is not something we'll necessarily use this round, but we want it in the pocket so that we have a safer round two to build stuff. But again, this is not something you can always rely on depending on what strategy card you ended up taking. Right. Um, the other thing that we want to mention is that the military support trick that we talked about in the overview of, hey, I've spent all of my uh, strategy tokens. I can now sell my military support, get stuff, and basically lose nothing. This is the time, really, for yeah. that play, is round one and round two. It's good to do it early. Um, it also is good because it it kind of helps you get on people's good graces, uh, which you will need to because you are going to, in the mid-game, probably worry a lot of people um yeah. if you ex if all of this goes well for you if you execute this correctly by like round three or four everybody's going to be talking about you and it will probably be helpful to kind of start working above the table very early so yeah. that at least by once we get to the mid game maybe there's a little bit of trepidation of like hey well i don't know i mean i've traded a lot with him and it seems like we can keep trading so maybe yeah. i want to keep trading with them Stuff like or, that. Or more importantly, you just won't get the opportunity to later. People will stop trading with you outright. So if you can get the trades done now, that's when you're going to make your money. Right. Um, and so now we're going to talk about strategy cards. This is specifically for round one. Um, yep. And the way we're going to talk about strategy cards in a lot of these new guides is we're basically you're just going to work through what you would do with basically each of them. Um, we're going to exclude diplomacy and imperial because we could not think of a very good reason to take either with soul. Right. Uh, there might be a faction where we come up with a good reason. Extra, I'm kind of looking at you. Um, for Matt, I guess, not for me. <laughs> uh, but for soul, we're just going to kind of go down the list and basically talk about, all right, if you end up with this uh, strategy card what's what right. do we think you should do with yeah this this is a little bit of a reaction to a flaw we found in our early strategy guides so if you're a longtime fan of the show you'll know we said like here's what we think you should take most importantly but that that doesn't work because there's just so little control you have over that so we right. want to make the case for every single strategy card so that you can look at that and go okay which approach do i want to take given my options you right. need to know what you can do with every single possible strategy card so right. let's start with leadership Leadership yeah. is first up. Uh, if you were to end up with leadership, uh, good news. You have lots and lots and lots of options because you're yes. going to get three free command counters, uh, which means you have lots of stalling potential. When we talk about stalling, you're like one of the better stalling factions out there. Obviously, Asarl is like born to stall, but in, in early game, you are better at stalling than Asarl because every command counter in your strategy pool is an orbital drop that you get to gain two infantry and also stall out other things. Now, when right. we talk about stalling, it's it's usually for specific purposes of like when you want to either get tech or you want to prevent other people from using the warfare ability that you're going to use. But in mm -hmm. this case, that's the main thing is it's, it's maybe helping us find an opportunity to get tech and in general, just the ability to do lots of stuff. So with leadership, you're going to do your typical expansion and a typical expansion for soul is one carrier goes adjacent to your home system where you probably have at least one system and your second carrier is waiting until you can research gravity drive off of the secondary of technology. Yep. And once it has gravity drive, now it has two movement. You want to go park that next to Mechatol Rex. Now, sometimes you do not have a planet next to Mechatol Rex. Your alternative is to park it 
adjacent to your home system on the path to Mechatorex so that next round it can use its two movement to get to Mechatorex. But you need it to be two spaces away. There's right. a few other alternatives too. You could send it to an equidistant planet, which is the the system that you kind of share proximity with your neighbor. You could go to your equidistant and then the next round go from the equidistant to Mechatol. But as long as you are two spaces away, you're in the clear. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm going to recommend that you do the secondary of politics too, just to get because you have the extra CC for it. Right. Um, there's no reason not to get ahead on uh, right. action cards. Action cards never hurt. Uh, sometimes I've run into an issue. This does not apply to round one, but in general, because you start with neural motivator, you're definitely drawing two action cards every status phase. And when you do politics, you're getting two more. That's four per round. You have right. a hand limit of seven. Now. Right. There are lots that will argue it doesn't matter. Keep drawing as many action cards as you can, and it's okay if you discard bad ones. You're still keeping the best seven. The more you can cycle through action cards, the better. That is obviously to a limit. If your hand is absolutely killer and you want to keep all of it, you don't need to do politics. But this applies later. Round one, it's great to get that early uh, lead on politics and having action cards ready to go. Yeah, I'm going to argue that in this case, if you take leadership, that I, I would maybe go ahead and do it because your soul there's your it's gonna be a rough road like there there's gonna right. be there's gonna be people that try and ruin your day in the next couple rounds and getting ahead on the uh, the action card draw is not the worst thing that you could do in the world the world uh, with with leadership i also want you to make a point to see if you can get in on trading yeah there's gonna be plenty of games where this is not an option but if one of your neighbors is the person who picked trade you have a destroyer. That destroyer can move two, which means it's very likely that that destroyer can go park adjacent to someone else's systems that you can trade with. And this is established. This will establish your trading relationship. And if you can get a good amount of money out of trade, then it's a good idea to also save one of those three new command counters for the secondary of warfare. It's always mm -hmm. great to get some units out round one just because it's more defenses, uh, but you don't want to go crazy with this. If you only end up getting $1, none of this was worth it. But if you can get like four bucks, you have four commodities. Let's say someone like the Ghost of Creus take trade. They also have four commodities. It's entirely plausible that you or them could send destroyers towards each other, do a four commodity for four commodity swap, gain four bucks. You've got a pretty good uh, warfare option and it is worth spending the command counter to do that warfare. I agree. Um, one note I want to say for this, for this leadership play we've described. Um, if you make sure as you're doing orbital drop, that you kind of have a plan for those dudes. Um, if you orbital drop too much and realize like, wait, now I've just got a bunch of dudes in my home system and I'm way out of capacity, that's not good. Um, right. you, should, you should in general have a plan to get those dudes out there on planets, uh, specifically Mechatol Rex, but also other planets as well. Um, just, 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 I've noticed sometimes if people overemphasize orbital drop in the early game, sometimes they end up leaving like a way too many dudes on like one random planet because yeah. they just ran out of capacity. The biggest thing for me is I want to orbit. I always want to orbital drop at least once uh, if yes, I can help it. For sure. And I want to orbital drop underneath the carrier that I intend to send to Mechatol Rex. Yes. The point there being is I would love to send two infantry to Mechatol Rex and you probably sent two infantry with that carrier initially. The last thing you want to do is leave two planets empty. 
So what you do is you drop two infantry behind, then you take those two infantry that you orbital dropped with you to Mechatol Rex, leaving one and one on either planet that you are abandoning. Yeah, completely agree. Um, are we ready to talk about the next uh, strategy yeah. card? Yeah, leadership is the most complicated one because you are given so the opportunity to do so many a- a- right. actions. So let's talk about politics. Uh, if right. The, the first I, I thing... Say at the, I want to yeah. say at the beginning, politics is my favorite round one draw for Soul because yeah. it seems the most reliable, but let's, let's just get into it. Yeah. The very first thing, uh, and this is sort of above the table, is when you draw politics, you need to look at the warfare player. Uh, looking at the warfare for uh, warfare player what you're looking for is what is their starting tech uh or more importantly just in general are they gonna start going for mechatol rex themselves the player who takes warfare round one has the option to expand adjacent to their home system pull the warfare token and then expand adjacent to mechatol rex which means that next round they have the option to take Mechatol Rex. They will be close enough, even with a one-movement carrier. Mm-hmm. Because you have politics, you are going to get the speaker token. You have control over what you do next round, but you need to see how much stuff that Warfare player looks like they might be planning to bring to Mechatol Rex. Because for some people, it's very little, and they're not going to bother taking Mechatol Rex. But for others, they might be taking their whole fleet yeah. And moving it closer and closer to Mechatol Rex so that even if you take it first, they might jump on you and take everything you've got on Mechatol Rex. And that needs to inform your strategy of how you go about approaching taking Mechatol Rex. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think I think Arborek is good to shout out for that. If you've got an Arborek with Warfare looking uh, to make a play for Mechatol Rex, uh, I think in that situation, um, maybe... Maybe not doing what Matt just said to do, like uh, like take taking four infantry to Mechatol Rex might be the smart play. Um, and right, yeah. in situations like that, you're you're probably gonna have to just count on. All right, well, whatever I have over Mechatol is gonna die. So that carrier might be just going solo with no fighter, with yeah. the intention of like, well, there's there's no shot there. But the idea is to hold Mechatol Rex underneath whatever. Um, I guess SAR is probably who we're really thinking about. Yeah, the SAR is your biggest threat, player. but there's there's a few others, and in general, just anyone with Warfare can potentially be a threat. So it's at least worth looking at what they're doing. Right, uh, and, and what, what I like about this is politics into round two leadership. The only person that can technically beat you is Nalu. But besides that, right, no right. one can get there before you if you take politics. Right. Uh, so your next things for this round are pretty basic. Expand again. Try to expand towards Mechatol Rex. Be prepared to take it next round. Uh, you definitely need to save your four dollars in your home planet and a strategy token for doing the secondary of tech. Your mm-hmm. other strategy counter is probably just to orbital drop the the fleet or the you know the people that are prepared to go take Mechatol. Uh, and the biggest thing is your plan is almost definitely to take leadership round two do not sell the speaker token uh unless the player to your right definitely has absolutely no intention of taking mechatol rex right but even then i don't love doing it because if they take leadership that means i have to take diplo and that's not nearly as good of a position it's it's certainly in your favor to just keep the speaker token uh they would have to offer you quite a lot for it to be worth it if it was jolnar offering me research agreement and they were going to research hypermetabolism that might be like a scenario where i decide to sell the speaker token sure sure but outside of something very very valuable like that keep the speaker token for yourself so that you can secure mechatol rex round two 
Right. And it's worth noting, uh, well, actually, I don't even know how much it's worth noting, because if you're if you're playing with people worth their salt, you're not going to be able to grab Imperial round two and make some sort of custodians into Imperial play. Right. But if for some reason you're playing with a bunch of people and just they don't under, they don't care about Mechatol, nobody's eyeing it, you feel really confident and you want to be, you know, you want to kind of gamble a little bit, you could politics into round two leadership and if you're still confident you're going to get that custodian's token, then that's going to be an awesome uh, start for you. Yeah. I mean, you said good, you said leadership. You you meant imperial. You can get imperial, imperial yes. round two to yeah. to score two points uh, for free, basically. Right. Um. Now, in that situation, it's really hard to imagine that the table isn't going to just gut you off of that. But I think it's worth noting that that is going to be your option if you yeah. take politics round one, and that's why I love. Love round one politics for salt. Something we haven't talked about yet that is as is important and probably should have been stated beforehand is obviously the custodian's point costs six influence. Mm -hmm. So you you need to be planning for that in all of this. That second carrier that goes somewhere, ideally it goes to wherever has the most influence. Uh, In some games, maybe you don't move out at all until you have gravity drive for both carriers. And then your first carrier goes to whatever system gets you the most influence because you only have two influence in your home system. Uh, Alternatively, if you get trade goods, there's an argument to saving up the trade goods for Mechatol Rex. But I I felt like it's important to point that out of don't just gun for Mechatol Rex, gun for Mechatol Rex and make sure you have six influence in the pocket. Yeah, you're going to have to have six influence. Um, I would in in a situation where that that sounds kind of dire. you got to push your military support. People want yeah. it. Pe- people yeah. are going to want it. Just make sure you're selling it to them. Yeah, um, that's that's the biggest importance of selling it round one is just right. to net that extra money that you might be able to use. On right. Mechatel. If there's a, a Jolnar is a really good target for military support. Um, pretty much anybody is a good target, but Jolnar is like probably my favorite. Yeah. Let's talk uh, about construction. Construction is the weirdest one. The main reason you probably got construction is because you, you picked were last. last. Yeah. There, I've heard people make arguments that construction is very good for soul, and they're not totally wrong, but there's everything else still feels like a better choice than construction, even if right. construction isn't that bad. Uh, but yeah. with construction, it's the same expansion plan. You're definitely orbital dropping once, but you're saving one command token for tech. The biggest thing is you want to construct that uh, PDS or space dock or two PDS, it should be on the path to Mechatol Rex. There's not really any value in constructing on either of your wings, right? To the left or to the right of your home system. Neither of those positions help you in your quest. Yeah. Um, I kind of favor the forward dock, I think, for soul versus uh, the double PDS. Yeah. Uh, But it's kind of a a toss-up. You're not the most, like space dock dependent faction i feel um although you are you are going to be building a lot of fighters later so maybe i I might go ahead and take that back i might i might go ahead and errata myself um (laughs) but it does feel like a construction round one pick uh into forward dock it's not even going to be your favorite like it's probably not even going to be your favorite planet you know what i mean you're not you're not going to have a full um you know, like if there's a really juicy planet right next to Mechatol, obviously we we would like to have that forward dock there. You yeah. might not even get access to that though, because what you got, you get to expand and then orbital drop, and then if they're stalling out tech, that's basically all you got. There's yeah. no other there's right. Else you have no do. other stalls. Uh, right. I, I the two PDS is my play mostly if the resources in my slice are low. Uh, mm-hmm. Space docks are only as good as the planets they're put on. 
For right? Sure. Your production is two plus the value, the resource value of that planet. So if if you just have a really high influence slice and really low resources, eh, the space stock's not as important, and the PDS is going to help defend you later. And defense is everything with Federation of Soul. So it really comes down to what do you think is going to help that defense more? A really good space stock can be great for defense because that's pumping out a ton of fighters, but a really bad space stock is not any better than a PDS. I'll say this. Another reason that I'm not crazy about a Roundwood construction pick is that I feel like I'm going to pretty reliably in Soul Games make a mid-game construction pick myself. Yep. Oh, definitely. Uh, to try and get uh, some PDS on some choice planets to make sure that people cannot bombard me off of... Because, uh, I mean, Planetary Shield combined with Spec Ops uh, 2 or even Spec Ops 1 is a pretty pretty yeah. potent combination. Yeah, your biggest thing is you are eventually going to want a PDS on Mechatol, and you can't do that round one, so... All the PDS you put down right now are just like, eh, it's fun and fine and it's great, right, but it's right. not. And, and hopefully not it'll be useful, but it's not critical. Yeah. yeah. We ready to talk about trade? Super ready to talk about yeah. trade. You, you lead us off. All right. So if we take trade, um, I I don't hate trade, but they're not they're It's weird. Soul is a four commodity faction, but people generally are going to try and keep you in check if they know yeah. what's going on. So you might make yourself seem really scary with a round one uh, trade, but essentially the idea is uh, we're going to expand like normal. I mean, I can't imagine why we wouldn't expand. Um, what we would like to do is court a buddy um, to come towards you. You always want to, if you have the trade card, you always want someone to come to you to send their destroyer or cruiser towards your stuff. Um and then the minimum amount of money we want to make off trade is $7. That's the $3 we're going to get off trade. And then the $4 you're going to get off of your one-for-one commodity trades. But with our with our promissory note, I believe you should be able to get above 7 um, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the fact that you're going to create a trade partner so early, um, this is getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but you... You should be looking for, I think, an early support for the throne swap. That's something yeah. that you should kind of have on your mind as a possibility um, for soul. Right. So, so what you're doing round one is just finding a best friend in yeah. general, someone yeah. that you will be able to make that proposal to later. Right. Um, anyways, as far as secondary goes, um, this is one where we're going to want a secondary tech, obviously, and secondary warfare. Um, because we have those extra dollars, it is worth it to go ahead and get some more plastic on the table. What I don't like about this one is there's no orbital drop, which means likely we are taking two two boys to Mechatol, yep. which is not... Uh, well, I mean, two boys and then leaving some empty planets. That's yep. essentially what makes it a little bit uh, shady. You could, uh, you could take three boys... Uh, if you took three of your boys off of the home system and then leave your home system empty and then the, your secondary warfare, hopefully you'll be building some more boys. Right. Uh, you can take one later. Yeah. Uh, but it's it feels a little bit uh, thin on the boys' side because you're not doing any orbital drop, but we are going to get more plastic in general. So right. it all depends. Trade secures your home slice more than it secures Mechatol. Yes. Uh, so that and that's just your threat, and that's what you need to be prepared for. But hopefully, you've made friends that aren't that worried about your mechatol take. Mm -hmm. uh, this so. this was this is one I could feel that 
some players like really favor yeah. uh, taking trade early with soul. I mean, I, there's definitely a crowd out there that basically just says round one, you should take trade every single time, no matter what. For sure. And I could even see the argument for that here with soul. I just get a little scared of not having any orbital drop uh, first and having those, those new dudes that we made stuck back at the home system feels yeah. a little slow. Yeah. Let's talk about warfare. Yeah. This is warfare is the weirdest one because warfare is the one situation where we don't technically need gravity drive. Right. Uh, I think we still want it, but it is not necessary. So we kind of have to like really plan out some stuff Uh, with warfare. You're going to have the opportunity to take three systems in your slice, right? uh, Because you'll be able to move two carriers and one of those carriers will get to move again. Uh, I think that's the way you should go. Some people might see value in you building in your home system to get more stuff and then unactivating that and then moving more things out and, and not ending up next to it. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous of building out of my home system off of Warfare when I could spend that $4 on the tech and still be it set up well for next round and more importantly, just set up well for the possibility of future objectives and all of those things. Getting one tech around is generally useful and good. And if you have the four resources, it's not a bad idea, but in general, you want to get the three systems in your slice. Ideally, two of them are on the path to Mechatol. And at one point, one of the carriers will split off and double back towards uh either direction of your home system if that makes right. any sense um, um one one thing that you're very good at with warfare is you're a pretty solid warfare stall like we said earlier you're kind of a little bit better than Isarl at stalling at the very beginning right um depending on if Isarl takes the secondary of politics you might basically be the best uh stall we've got essentially yeah, yeah. uh and so what you're able to do is warfare uh but but before like you you move out once you move out again, you move out your destroyer to go make a trade buddy, you orbital drop. That's four thing. That's four things you get to do before tech ever gets popped. That's right. a lot. Uh, and and in, di- in addition, that's four things other people have to find to do before they can get a free, not a free, but they, they get to get a carrier in their home system that they can move out. Car- uh, factions that only start with one carrier are like typically very desperate for warfare round one to time out in a way where they can still take two systems. It's your goal, if you took Warfare, to hinder that as right. much as possible. Uh, you have so many things you can do before you do Warfare. Unless you're getting paid lots of money to activate Warfare beforehand, I would stall it every single time. Right. Um, another thing that's notable about taking Warfare is that you could uh, research tech and just research Daxiv or Fighter 2 instead. Those are Those are right. kind of the two options we've selected as being uh most potent um i think personally fighter two i think there's a world for uh fighter two round one with soul however yeah. i think the utility of that is i need to score the two adjacent to mechatol public objective um or i am eyeing somebody that is going to make a play for mechatol and i need this fighter to gum up the works yep. basically to just get in the way to stop them now it's really it'd be really cool if you're in a situation where those are both the same thing right. where <laughs> scoring that objective and gumming up the works uh, it's all accomplished um but i would say that that taking mechatol in uh, the second round is critical enough to be worth a early fighter just in the way um, because essentially soul strength is in getting to Mechatol before somebody else and then holding it. It is not 
hey, somebody else took it. Now I can take it from them. They're not, they're not like that. They're not uprooters. You know what no. I mean? Right. To use our old, uh, old barony of Letnev term. Right. Um, they are not really like that at all. You're just a rooter. Your goal yeah, is to get places first and hold it forever. You're just a rooter. You're you're like a very streamlined, sexy arborec. That's that's <laughs> what you are, basically. Yeah. Uh, um. And then the last strategy card for us to talk about is uh, technology. Uh, technology is, I think, a very good pick. Um, for Soul, it's kind of it's always it's pretty much always a good pick for everybody. It's probably um, the safest, explicitly for round. One, you talked about politics sure. being good for both, but tech is the way to guarantee you will do what you want to do round one. Right. Well, so in general, it's it's good with tech to uh, actually like take a look at your opponents and see if you can keep them from teching. Uh, very similar to Warfare Stall. Just, just take a look at uh, the factions. Do they have the money to tech? If they don't, maybe that's a potential trade partner for you. Um, maybe that's somebody that you can trade military support for for or even do an early support swap with basically yeah i'm um, always trying to use that leverage in a not a mean like extorty way but kind of a like hey i've got this what's something you can do to help me especially yeah. because we are playing a faction that has a lot of nasty meta um so let's try and be uh the nice guy yeah. um let's talk about the other thing your option as uh when you have tech uh, it's always the option you have, which is that you could buy two tech. Right. Uh, obviously, you couldn't buy two tech if you activate a tech right away. But if you can find $2, you can do two tech. Is that worth it round one? Uh, the biggest thing is you would have to find your trade buddy, uh, and you would have to net two bucks off of them. And that could be really tricky to do. Uh, but you might be able to leverage tech as part of that right you can say i will stall tech if you trade with me and we can and we can make money off of it etc right um, and and they and they would rather whoever has the trade card would much rather actually trade with someone than just yep. flip trade first thing especially someone who has four commodities yeah uh, this, and, this and is a situation you, where you, you do four. a four for three or something yeah. you give up four right. you only gain three that's fine you need two but is it even then still a good idea i'm eh. gonna say most cases no yeah but if it's kind of a win more it is a win more you don't need it right away those two dollars could be saved for mechatol rex or could be spent in addition if you got more than two bucks you're probably better off building units but if the public if one of the first two public objectives is two tech in two colors there's maybe an argument for it right uh in general the tech objectives are things where it's like it's nice to bank those and then be able to score them later. So there's not really a reason to need to score it round one right away. But to be able to get it out of the way very quickly and still be going down all of your tech paths does have some use to it. Right. So at the very least, if you double tech, your plan is now to double orbital drop as well because that's how you're going to defend your slice because you're sure. not building any units. But if you don't double tech... I would find a point to do the second area of warfare when I have technology because I'm getting one tech for free, which means I have $4 already freed up. So there's no point in doing, in trying to get that. You know, if I got those $2, I could even still have six bucks to build the big, nice fleet we talked about earlier. One carrier, one destroyer, two fighters, two ground forces. That's a great route to go down. It only costs you one command counter. You can still orbital drop once. To me, that's a better build, even if you're able to get extra money when you have tech. Right. 
Um, yeah, I and I I think this does hold true that if you are holding the tech card and your soul, that you should r- pretty reliably be able to do some trades with people. You have you have a lot of leverage at the table holding tech. Yeah. You have four commodities. Make yourself a little bit of money. Make yeah. it work. Um, and and I I do agree with Matt that I think it's wor- more worth it to probably do a warfare secondary plus one orbital drop versus. Uh, teching two colors. It just seems like too much too quickly. You've got a great start when it comes to tech. Uh, you don't need to just kind of like double down and like it's it's you know you're not Joel Nar. You're not yeah. You're not just gunning for. You're trying to be good at a lot of things. Pretty yep. solid at a lot of things. Not just yeah. be very good at tech. Um, do we want to move? And we're not going to do Imperial. Um, yeah, <laughs> we are already almost at the hour mark, and we are yeah. just getting to round two. What is this a live game? What is this like a hypothetical? <laughs> live game that we're playing <laughs> round two let's do it right no. now right. you're t- you got to take mechatol rex that's yes, got to be it. what this you is, do everything's been working to this moment mm-hmm. and if someone see here's here's the thing this is where it's going to get really weird um what do you do if somebody gets there first well if if you can take it from them we're going to say you should you're not yep. going to get the custodian's token but we would rather go into the mid game with the point leverage of having Mechatol Rex yep. than not having it. Yes. Uh, some of the threats there are uh, if Clannistar takes Mechatol Rex, you're you're probably done. That's Sorry, probably buddy. it. Sorry, buddy. You'll, you may never get it. You might st- stick around. They may go somewhere else. But for now, give it up. Uh, Barony is a little bit of a threat. If they were the ones that had like warfare, they can bring a lot of scary stuff. It can be tricky. Uh, your other options are Hakan and ghosts typically can, can beat you there. Uh, and they're not hard to deal with generally. Yeah. Speaking. A lot of they times usually if it's don't ghosts have ghosts or Hakan that beat you there, then you are going to be able to get more plastic there in order to, yeah. to beat them. Yeah. Those are the factions that all also have the ability to get, get gravity drive fast that's why they can beat you there obviously like we said anybody with warfare could potentially beat you there so it's just a matter of kind of counting the odds on whether or not your carrier maybe one or two fighters and some ground forces are going to be able to take mechatol from them a lot of people really just want the custodian point so they will send one carrier and one infantry just to take it so that you can't a lot of people go to mechatol without the intent of sticking around so if they're doing that that's fine take them off and go supplant yourself because right. you are better served being there. I honestly don't mind too bad when people do that because it means I get to destroy one of their carriers early game, which is actually kind of, it's kind of silly that they, that yep. they just sacrifice, sacrifice that carrier so flippantly. Um, and then the other thing I get to do is have Mechatol, but without having a lot of early game heat. So I yep. still have that option of like, all right, we could do a swing round in the mid to late game, but Right now, people like, yeah, Soul's got Mechatol, but they didn't get the point, so they're kind of right. just there. And then nobody's really going to be that scared of you until you have an opportunity to take Imperial. Right. But anyways, we kind of have to make our argument now as to why. Why are we emphasizing yeah. Mechatol Rex so much? Right. Um, we've kind of, we have kind of already put it out there, but it feels like we really need to drive this home because we, me and Matt basically have been playing game after game of soul. And we've been trying to deviate from kind of our original strategy guide. And we never really found the, the alternate path that felt really, really solid compared to this path. Cause what do you get if you have Mechatol? 
You get a lot, uh, it turns out. Uh, and it's, it's so the, the biggest argument that we've been making so far is you have the potential for free points. Well, there's an right. easy counter argument there. The board can keep you can getting from Imperial, so you'll never get the stuff. But there's a way, way, way more important reason to why you want Mechatol Rex, and it has to do with the six influence, which means every time leadership pops, that's two additional command counters that you get very, very easily. Right. And in addition to the one command counter you get per round, you are now taking three extra actions every single round. Right. Three additional command counters per round is nothing to scoff at. That could right. be, you could put all of that into orbital drop. That's six additional infantry every single round. Or you can just go and do more stuff. You can activate more systems, take more planets, get more planets with traits. It helps you score objectives better. The games that I have when I'm really low on command counters, those are the ones where you never felt like you had a chance because you could only do like one or two activations per round. And how could you ever find the way to get the points? A soul on Mechatol, sure they're a threat people are scared of you but you are doing so much ahead of them that they have a trouble catching up to you you're activating more stuff you're moving more stuff around you're doing more orbital drops you are just better defended in every way with those two additional command counters right and also the most common way that people um will block you from getting your Mechatol Rex point is to take Imperial before you take it. And honestly, that situation is a very good situation to be in because our goal with taking Mechatol Rex with Soul is to not really have to score any of the stage two objectives. So yep. every time somebody else takes Imperial, you're getting another shot to draw a new secret objective that might be one that you can actually accomplish. We, our goal is to get three secret objectives in our hand that we could feasibly do, which is a lot of them. Soul is pretty yes. effective at most, at, at most every... Um, objective. It's pretty obvious the ones that they can't do easily. A lot of the like control four of a specific type. Obviously, if they don't have access to those planets really easily, those are really hard. Yeah. Um, but most of the others, pretty even even four tech in one color is not the worst draw no. for soul. So right. the idea is to cycle through secret objectives until we can get three that we can score. We focus on scoring those easy stage one public objectives, and all we got to do is get one or two extra points, and then we are going to win this game without having to score a single stage two. Right. And, and we can do it quickly. That's the idea. Yeah. The, the, the most interesting part of that whole dynamic is the fact that if you don't take Mechatol Rex and someone else just kind of piddly takes it which which seems to be the thing that happens someone else if, if some other faction takes mechatol i think more than half the time it's someone that doesn't care that much about being there they just wanted the custodians point and then they just sit there and they hang out for a while and nobody else cares enough to take it from them because they don't see the value in taking mechatol this happens all the time and what happens when people are sitting there like that is nobody cares about taking imperial which means the only right. way you're going to get secret objectives is taking it yourself right. uh and and that's just like a little bit rougher and more annoying it is great when you're on mechatol which means someone's definitely taking imperial every round if it's not you that's great you're going to draw secret objectives if it is you that's great you're going to score a point right and and i would say we're we're still talking about the early game here we're almost done but that our goal is not to jump on mechatol rex and instantly look really scary by taking imperial that is not the goal here right you right. want to be imperial blocked that is the goal yes. is to get people yes, to block yes, yes. you by taking imperial themselves so you you kind of need that to happen um 
what are some of the potential problems of this early game plan? Well, the really obvious one is that you did not get Mechatol Rex. What do we do if we yeah. cannot get Mechatol Rex in the early game? It's a tricky situation, and I, there's honestly a billion different ways you can come at it. I think our favorite mm -hmm. is the plan for time to work up to getting fleet logistics and making an Imperial play later. Fleet right. logistics is a tech that you will now only be one away because you already have gravity drive and anti-mass, and it will allow you to take two actions back to back, which means right. if you prep properly, if you wait to take politics, you get politics, next round you get Imperial, you build up a good fleet, the person who's been parked there has X amount of ships, you build up a fleet that is enough to take Mechatol, then on your turn, you successfully take Mechatol, immediately use fleet logistics to pop Imperial, get the point. It's almost right. as if you took the custodian's token. Right. Um, I would say in general, f fleet logistics is the, oh no, things are not going well. Now it's time to aggressively take and orbital drop off the back yeah. of it. So even yes. if you're not going this Imperial path, fleet logistics is kind of the secret weapon, I feel like, for Federation of Soul. Yeah, they it's are, really cool. Right. The fact that you can take any system and immediately use fleet logistics to drop two more infantry there as right, long as you've got right. the command counters. That's a crazy powerful ability, let alone just the fact that you can do two actions in general. The fact that one of the actions at Soul's disposal is this ability to reinforce something it just took means you can make really aggressive plays when you want to. Now, so not to get too much into going down a completely alternate path, but I just want to throw out options if things are going uh, bad. And also just to show everybody listening to this that we are not just fiercely, we're not like zealots about this one specific way to play soul. Um, if if Mechatol Rex is just not on the table, there's not even a like, there's no point in even building a fleet to try and sneak in there. It's just not going to happen. What you need, I think at that point, is influence or trade goods it's time to grab trade and make myself a, everybody's buddy get yeah, military support out true. there get as many trade goods as possible so that i can continue to use orbital drop to get yeah to, to get at least like three three dudes i would say on most planets that i need to defend yeah and take planets that are uh high influence basically and you have a leg to stand on here the meta of what people know about soul is that soul on mechatol is a big problem if you're not on mechatol sell that idea to right. the table i'm right. not a big threat anymore i'm just here i'm just here in my own slice if you go expand to some equidistance great whatever but like you got to start really selling the idea that like you are definitely not the biggest threat here it's hard to do sometimes people won't listen to you because they're still just like well you're soul you can always find a way and they're not wrong so it's just important to always leave yourself open to different interpretations with each individual player do whatever you can to make good graces right um let's talk now we have this next section we're going to talk about um the potential tech path um for federation of soul now our goal with uh, all of these tech paths is to basically accomplish uh, bleh, accomplish the really simple easier tech objectives um we're not going to do two and four colors no. basically um yeah. but we are gonna try in every single game to get two and two colors and go ahead and grab uh three upgrades yeah so that we can accomplish the two upgrade stage one the three upgrade stage two which i think is everyone agrees is like by far the easiest yes um yeah you definitely. also what's interesting with all of our um What's great about Soul is that we can also very easily fold in the both faction tech 
um, secret objective into our tech path as yes. well. So these it tech paths we're about to give aligned. you accomplish a lot of um, a lot of victory points. Um, and I would say that overall, Soul's tech game is just kind of beautiful. It's, it's yeah. simple. It's, it's elegant. Without having any specific like actual tech ability advantages, they have the strongest tech game. Jolnar is the only person who can do even more uh, like work in the tech world and it's because that's their whole freaking deal uh necro right. can get there in the right circumstances but soul is practically designed around perfect tech pads right the standard what we think is just sort of like your safest bet and you can kind of watch everything from all angles is like we said gravity drive round one then you're going to get fighter two then carrier advanced carrier two then go down green into Dax of Animators and Spec Ops 2. The big point here is what we're kind of focusing on with all of the Soul Tech Paths is in what order do you get the upgrades? Because that depends on how you feel different people are going to approach you. What Fighter 2 early allows you to do is maybe throw some gum in the way of other people, but mostly start working on gumming up your own stuff. You are going to be a threat to people. The more fighters you can throw into random systems to block people from jumping into your more important systems, the better, and you need to get that started earlier rather than later. Right. Um, One thing that we have very much changed from our original Soul Guide is that Spec Ops 2 feels a lot more like a a win more... um, tech and less of a oh my god i need to rush for spec ops 2 um essentially i think spec ops 2 only becomes super relevant in the late game where people might actually be able to bring enough um of their own ground forces in order to challenge you or they might be able to um cut your ground forces in half with like a good plague card or perhaps they have a lot of bombardment this is the time that spec ops 2 starts feeling really essential for most of the early and mid game it feels like spec ops 2 is not something to rush for yeah Um, you will still win a lot of fights and outnumber your opponents in most cases when it comes to uh ground combat yeah let's talk about uh one of my pitfalls that your other tech path option is what is kind of the aggressive strategy. And it's something that I like, but I don't always have success with because, uh, I am too aggressive of a player. A lot of times I, I jump out there, spread myself too thin and it, it ends up hurting me in the long run. But mm-hmm. something that can open up options for you if they are available is going gravity drive directly into carrier two and then Fighter 2, Dax of Spec Ops 2. Going Carrier 2 first means you have carriers that move 2 plus 1 with Gravity Drive. If you need to make precision strikes, Carrier 2 is really, really good at that because you have a carrier with 8 capacity. Mm-hmm. You don't need more units than that, right? right? Most fleets, Gravity Drive is only useful like if you're going not too far. But with Soul explicitly, you can send one carrier, like five fighters and three infantry, and in the somewhat early game, probably take any planet you want. Right. So if you if you need early traits or tech specialties or something like that, and you don't think it'll hurt your game too much, that is an option. But just be wary that you are being overly aggressive and you're going to draw even more ire from the table. Yeah, I'll say this: if you're going, if you're trying to take Mechatol Rex and take uh, early control objectives, that table is going to tr- try to squash you as much yeah. as possible. Yeah, and they'll probably um, succeed because that's five players all very right. mad at you. Right. I would. I I think this is a good tech path for, um, all right, well, Mechatol Rex is not going to work out this, this right. time. So I might as well get early gra- carrier two to try and be as much of a nuisance and 
kind of root down on certain planets before other people can. Yeah, because a, like a round two carrier two, you basically your capacity game is to such an extent that no one can mess with you. Yeah, the biggest argument there too is, that, and the reason I originally thought carrier two was the best way to go is having two additional fighters seemed better than having fighter two. I'm sure the math is like, Matt, you're an idiot, but having two additional hits to soak seemed useful uh, and having that sustained damage, that's three additional hits you can take in a space combat. So right. even the plus one advantage seemed better. Someone's going to math check me on that and I'm I'm always wrong when it comes to like strict math stuff. But right. I originally liked Advanced Carrier 2 because it opened up those two extra capacity slots. But the problem I always found is it led me down a dark path of stretching myself too thin. I put a carrier somewhere I can't defend. Right. Uh, and and that that very much just kind of leans into your style as a player. I want to talk about this next um, this next path, uh, which is kind of it's not the best path. And I'm not no. really uh, this is the one we almost completely left out, which was essentially Grav Drive, Daxiv, Spec Ops 2 um, and then Fighter 2 and Carrier 2. Uh, but the idea here is, oh, I need to r- rush for Spec Ops 2. Um, essentially, it's a called shot of I got to Mechatol and I can see this uh, specific fleet is going to come after me, and I think Spec Ops 2 is going to be necessary in order to close the gap. Yeah. Now, that's a that's a really, that's a wild shot to call, to just be right. like, I can see exactly how much bombardment and how many infantry they're going to have, and Spec Ops 2 is going to close this gap, but it felt silly to leave it out, so there you yep. go. It's there. Uh, the next one is a little bit more in line with what we were talking about earlier, which is when you get Warfare early you can kind of lean into this gum idea which is well you don't need gravity drive so what could Mm -hmm. you do instead you can get fighter two you Mm -hmm. go fighter two gravity drive carrier two daxiv spec ops two but the fighter two very very early lets you maybe block other people from getting in your way of doing mechatol or just things in general it's it's a having fighter two right out the gate doesn't hurt and if you don't need if you don't absolutely need gravity drive because you took warfare then it's not a bad path to, to go. Right. Um, uh, I th- but outside of those texts that we keep repeating, that, that's it. Like, that, that is your tech path. It always ends at the same point, right? All, those, those are the one, two, three, four, five tech that you want to buy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty simple path, too. That's, that's one of the things that I really love about it. It's just like each one of those is fairly useful um, to very useful, Yes. Uh, Dax of obviously being, in my opinion, kind of the stinker in that whole group. But but uh, it's still good. It's still quite good for still, you. It's, it's still just good. it's the least good. Least good. Um, let's talk about skips. Uh, we, we just want to talk about like, oh, if you have access to these skips, and just kind of talk a little bit about you know what kind of game you could play. If you if you yeah. got a yellow skip, um, Dread Two is not is, is far from the worst thing in the world. It's obviously nope. the most useful and versatile unit upgrade you could possibly get i don't know that it particularly replaces any of the techs we have on our on our tech path but because it is an upgrade it's still you could still sub it in and accomplish all of the things that we are accomplishing with our tech. i I almost got dread to uh in today's game uh Mm -hmm. because i hadn't gone down green yet and we were already getting towards the late game when stage twos were going to come out and i was prepared to at any moment i had a yellow skip and it was like well if i have to get a third i don't need to go down green i can just get that dreadnought two really fast right right which is a Um, great option and i would say one of one of the difficulties of soul is because a lot of times we're leaning into 
carrier plus fighters that those kinds of fleets plus uh destroyers as well don't forget about the destroyers they're important for uh graviton laser systems in order to soak hits otherwise you've just got all these fighters that can be ignored in certain cases um but beyond that uh, because we're not talking about you being a dreadnought faction it means you're just you're not quite you'll never be quite as good as everybody else when it comes to fleet and i mean the big fleet guys i'm talking your l1z ones uh your baronies uh, your Hakans, if they've really like specialized in that, um, all those real big uh, fleet factions are kind of not really going to struggle with you so much. Yeah. Um, that is unless unless uh, <laughs> you're going after uh, the Genesis. And one thing that I would say really goes real well with the Genesis is a Sarween Yellow Skip into Space Dock Two. Yeah. That way we can really really pump out as many fighters as possible. Right. Um, Soul is not like an essential, gotta have a forward space dock, otherwise you're an idiot type faction. It's certainly useful. And I think some people probably swear by the idea that you always have to have a forward dock. Right. I don't know that I feel that way personally. Um, but if if you've got the yellow skip and you feel like I'm ready to, and I've got like unveil fa- flagship, I might go for space dock to who into Genesis plus more fighters than it is that you can even you can yeah. shake a stick at. Basically. Yeah, and, and the other advantage of that yellow skip after you've gotten Sarween is you can also get transit diodes. And I would never tech from Sarween to Graviton to transit, but if mm. I have the yellow skip, transit is your game just got crazy as the Federation of Soul. You right. are going to fly off the chain. It is so awesome and fun. And if you want to just like... If you just want to have a game of soul where you like put a little bit of a handicap on and want to just have a crazy good time, forego everything else we've said about tech paths and go for transit because that is a rip roaring good time. Right. If if you've got transit, what's nice is that you can rely less on orbital drop, which yep. means now you're just like so stocked on command counters and you're you're so so well defended everywhere and it's just not costing you those ccs the yeah. downside of soul is like yeah they get a lot of ccs but they also have a lot to spend it on um right. which kind of neatly transitions into our pretty much only green skip recommendation which is if you can skip daxiv to hyper early i love that personally yeah, do that that's, for sure that's something i really like to do i wish uh that you know it was that that's something you could just depend on every game but sadly like you can't you kind of need to get your stuff figured out um yeah. tech pretty early so like and also like we're kind of describing what i would say is overall a not super aggressive soul meaning yeah. if your green skip is on the other side of the board uh you got other things to focus on bud right if you if you got a green skip adjacent to your home and round two could get hyper I would go gravity drive into hyper and then just figure out what upgrade you want to do after that. Right. You now have two and two and you can get any of your upgrades and just whatever makes the most sense. But getting that hyper in round two is a huge deal. Cause like we said earlier, you had three additional command counters per round because of Mechatol. Now you have four additional command counters per round. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's a big deal. And, and any additional influences is, added to that when you pop leadership you can get seven or eight command counters that's like totally crazy completely uh, insane 
So Red let's skip. We got about, anything yeah. for red skips? No, absolutely not. We don't no, care. No, let's just skip uh, it. You don't have, you're not building units with bombardment, so you don't need plasma scoring. Uh, plasma scoring into duranium. Like, there's an argument for duranium armor on your advanced carriers, but it takes too long to get there, so you're never going to do it. And you're, you want destroyers, but your destroyers purely exist for graviton soak. You don't care that much about anti-fighter barrage. You can. There are situations, but you're probably not going that route. Yeah, and also, like, I'm going to say... Like, yeah, it would have to be some crazy situation where I had two red skips to even be like, I'll get destroyer two. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna grab what am I gonna do? Grab Majin and right. then go for destroyer two? Actually, that no. doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. Majin on soul could could be a thing if you have the PDS, but no, it's no 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 no. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. Uh blue skips. Hunter, tell me tell me why not blue skip. Um, we love all the blue tech for soul. So there's just yeah. nothing that you need to skip that you started right. with anti-mass regardless of you having a blue skip or not, you need to go grab drive. And then once you've got grab drive, fleet logistics is great. And then light wave is also too good. Basically the fact fleet logistics is a very weird blue tech. Cause it's kind of the only one that situationally I'll be like, oh, I don't really care about having fleet logistics yeah. with certain factions, but soul fleet logistics, fleet logistics is very good. So now essentially all the blue tech are good. So there's really no reason to skip any of them. So the yep. effectively the blue skip is useless. Yeah. Uh, with all of this tech stuff, we said it earlier of like, once you get the core three upgrades and the two and two to get there for me though, I don't like researching tech at all after that. I want all of my money to be spent on units for the late game. Once I've finished that tech path that clinches that three unit upgrade for me, and you don't even have to do the third upgrade. You can do the third upgrade when it comes up. Maybe just have two upgrades and you're probably fine, although all three of the upgrades you have access to are great. So for me, after I get that third upgrade, I stop teching at all, period, uh, because... I just want more stuff to defend myself now. I need right. more units. Your money is better served elsewhere. So all of this other stuff is super, super extraneous. I would only buy tech if I had like a crazy surplus. And even then, you want to save your trade goods for late game stage twos. You, you want to be able to qualify for as many of those as possible. I would hate to spend trade goods on tech. And, and I just, it's not the way I like to go. Um, so for me, once I have carrier two, fighter two, and spec ops two, I'm done. I, I don't get tech unless a very specific reason comes up. Right. I I stand by that. Um, I think a lot of times, though, those reasons will come up. Um, sure. So, I mean, in in that way, it I don't think it's... I guess what I'll say is this. After our, any of the tech paths we listed, if you're like, yeah, I pretty much always get fleet logistics after that, I yeah. get you. And like, I right. think that's valid. The, oh, uh, I, I, I should make that caveat that fleet logistics and light wave have a huge, huge potential. If I'm getting any techs after my, my core, you're right. Fleet logistics and light wave is like a crucial way to secure your late game. Mm -hmm. uh, light wave deflectors alone, we haven't talked about it much, but if you're parked on Mechatol Rex with a carrier, uh, advanced carrier two with gravity drive and light wave, you can go to anybody's home system that you want with one carrier and eight fighters or, you know, whatever combination of stuff you right. can get places. You can go pretty much anywhere on the board. Mm -hmm. uh, so it is worth continuing to go down blue. Uh, yeah. If you get lucky and get four in one color, I actually think that's great. I think people will disagree with me on that, but I think having four in blue to get fleet logistics and light wave is a perfectly good way to secure your late game. Yeah. It's still a risk of spending money on tech instead of units, but those are two very, very useful techs for you. 
Awesome. So we're going to transition now into talking specifically about Soul as a trading faction. Um, it's kind of weird uh, talking about Soul as a trading faction because in the, the type of Soul that we're describing, you are not really going to, you're not going to be an ideal trade partner. No. Because people are going to be pretty um, upset with your general Mechatol Rex play, which is why in general we're going to emphasize like try and speak up in the early game. Try yeah. and and make um, as many deals as you can with the the uh, military support promissory note. Um, don't you know lose any command tokens to it. But most people are pretty good about letting you. Even like nice people, sometimes if you haven't even spent all of them, you can trade it to some trustworthy people, and they'll wait. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your biggest thing is try to. If anything, it's some people don't want to look like a jerk by making you lose it if you give it to them and be like i'd really appreciate it if you waited until i if until i spent all these tokens if you frame it that way the only people that are going to definitely do it to you are the people who are like no screw you and then mm -hmm. you kind of have a little bit of a meta advantage against them of like wow this person was you, you get to look at the rest of the table and be like they that was they're being kind of brutal to me i'm just trying to make a trade buddy and sometimes right. that works it, it's it's little pieces of the meta that can work in your favor in that right. regard and, and I would say that in what's interesting about talking about trading is that if things are going poorly for you as far as this specific plan that we're laying out here, you should kind of revert to being, to emphasizing the fact that you have four commodities. That should yes. be like your kind of main thing if it's like, all right, well, I'm, I'm not having a Mechatol Rex game, so I would like the trade strategy card, please, and I yep. would like to make lots of money in order to pump out lots of... Uh, lots of fighters, um, and just kind of spreading my influence as much as possible. Honestly, if Soul doesn't have the Mechatol Rex chip, they kind of, to me, play sort of like uh, like, <laughs> like ghosts, but if yeah. ghosts was like, had real beefy boys, like right. a beefy boy <laughs> ghost. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's about getting kind of all over the place, but also getting all over the place in the service of making lots and lots of trade partners uh, to make lots and lots of money. Uh, who mm -hmm. are your who are your favorite people to trade with? Your factions to trade with? Uh, obviously, well, trading with anybody is great, but is there anyone you're looking for? Well, I would say um, I don't know if there's any specific factions to trade with outside of uh, like I think military support for Jolnar's research agreement yep. is is always uh, super dope if you can make that happen. Um, but I personally, with Soul, um, always try and hunt for an early support for the throne. Um, you are a faction that is going to make some risky Mechatol Rex plays, meaning that it's good to try and do a support swap with a faction that naturally might be able to unseat you in the late game. I'm yeah. thinking your Muats, your Baronies, your L1s, and your Yin Brotherhoods. Uh, yes. These factions that excel in either lots of bombardment, um, bypassing uh, your PDS, um, or the yin are just kind of the only the only faction that like are really excel at taking things from you and not necessarily mechatol rex with a huge stack of your dudes on it but right. a yin in your slice is not as scared of your three yep. or or four dudes on a planet basically right so. yeah yin might not take out your big stack but they'll take out everything else you've got if they want to right uh I want to also just super like stress the importance 
of that very, very early support for the throne swap. The biggest thing is it it's going to happen. People do support for the throne swaps. And if you're not the first one to make an offer, you may never get your offer out. Because if it happens, if you don't do your support for the throne till like round four, you're probably too close to the head of the pack that nobody will do it with you at that point. So if you are right. the first one, if, if you make the offer in round two, you're sitting on Mechatel Rex, you're probably adjacent to almost everyone. If you find someone to offer it to in round two and can get them to take you up on it, lots of people are opposed to doing it that early, but you start offering it that early because you might lose your chances after about round three. So I think it's very right. important things to are get going that well free for point. You, right. Um, the uh, Another alternate uh, support for the, the throne swap could be all right, maybe I maybe I failed at getting Mechatol Rex in the early game. However, in the mid game, I'm seeing an opening. But how about yeah. I try and do a swap first, basically? Yes, yeah, secure uh, my th- position. That's, that's another good timing for it. So basically, I I say that because Soul is trying to win from ahead and win quickly, they are they are a faction that like if we can do a support for the throne swap that will be awesome um they're kind of it's kind of a little more difficult to do it with them than it is to do it with like one of the more underdog factions yeah. but you know i mean everybody's got their own meta and uh if you can make yourself appear a certain way or build up enough goodwill maybe you make a very favorable mil- military support uh trade early on and somebody really appreciates that maybe try and get that into a support yeah. for the throne swap Let's talk about what all of this has kind of been gearing up towards, which is what what we do in the mid game. Yeah. Uh, the the mid game is is weird, but I think we want to just summarize it in what the whole kind of goal. We've talked about trading. We've talked about tech. We get what we're doing in that process, but why? What are we gearing up for? Right. Uh, and and our biggest proposal is you are gearing up for a round four or round five imperial swing round. We've talked about yeah. swings in the past. That's when you get imperial and you score two objectives and maybe the mechatol point. You get a bunch of points and people just you you either blow everybody out of the water or you make this big come from behind, you know, knock into now you're in first place where you were in last. Um, right. But this is very possible for you if you let's let's go with our politics round one game right we took sure. politics round two we took leadership round three we took something that secured just our position in general we just needed tech right oh, i don't know we needed tech round four we take politics so that round five we can take imperial right and so one of the things that is important about this strategy is that people that you're provoking people into blocking you as far as Imperial goes. So try and get people to do it because what we're trying to do is get our secrets locked down in the mid game, Yes, Um, which means you might need to cycle some of your secret objectives out. So that's probably my favorite thing about trying to take Mechatol Rex early is it's the idea is not to get it and then sneak into Imperial right away. The idea is to, really get the rest of the table to be like, all right, we have to block him from getting Imperial. So they take Imperial. You do the secondary every time you can. Get three secret objectives in your hand, all scorable, and just score those simple, easy publics. We're trying to... We're going to end up getting ahead if we do this, but not crazy ahead. Maybe like a point ahead. Maybe you got the custodian's point, um, and then maybe everybody else traded support for the throne, so it kind of evened out. We'll see, you know? Um, Yeah. One of the main things that you really need to accomplish in this phase of the game is you need to get a PDS on Mechatol Rex. What we're looking for is a stack of spec ops with PDS. You need yes. that PDS so that you can't uh, get bombarded. That's one of the big um, 
the the big disadvantages of playing a soul is bombardment really kind of wrecks your day. Um, as far as everyone else's PDS, you need to be careful to build destroyers so that they can soak hits. We've kind of already talked about that a little bit, but it definitely yeah. is important to note that you are not going to have these like giant fleets. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna really rely on the carrier and uh, fighter uh, solution, which means yeah. that factions like Extra, other factions that like. Mentac is a good one to think of that might have PDS networks with Graviton laser systems. I know the very first game I played is Soul. Matt, you shredded me with Graviton laser right. system. Yeah, we just did. And, we didn't know how good PDS were yet, and it's right. it was just a huge shocking moment of you lost everything. Right. It was. It was still. It's still embarrassing to this uh, to this <laughs> day. So the idea is to yeah, kind of time it out. We're trying to we're trying to score our publics, and we're also trying to play very defensive. This is not yeah. about. This is about taking Mechatol, keeping our slice gumming up the works, orbital dropping as much as much as possible, building units and securing our yeah. uh, our spot. The most defining feature of your mid game, especially like mid game leading into late game, is people are, are aiming at you all game. I mean, right. like literally probably from round 3 forward, you're going to get attacked at least once. Uh, right. I think the biggest the biggest problem with soul and we'll talk about this a little bit more uh, we can even kind of start getting into it is is talking about these meta problems that happen around the mid game mm-hmm. uh, which is people don't like you people you're you're in the lead and not only are you in the lead but because you are soul in the lead they know that's a bigger threat than anybody else being in the lead right. if mentac is tied with you for lead eh, soul's the bigger problem here. Right. Mentac we right. can deal with, but soul we might not be able to deal with, which means uh, for me, the biggest issue, and the reason we keep talking about you're not like a great trade partner is if you and someone else make an equivalent offer, they will take the other person's trade most right. of the time right. because your soul, why would they do the trade with you when they could get the exact same stuff for somebody who isn't as scary of a force? Uh, that's why you need to trade early. You need to trade at you when people aren't looking at you funny. Uh, in round three or four, people start looking at you funny and you can't get your trades off anymore. So that's why you're doing all the orbital dropping and why you're always building units and securing is because you're going to get hurt. You need to plan to get hurt. Don't be surprised when people start getting into your stuff. You can still be mad at them and you can try to work the meta against them and be like, they're only attacking me. This is ridiculous. I'm just, I'm tied with so-and-so. I'm not anymore in a lead. But the whole point is you you have to find a way to hold yourself against the people attacking you. Right. I, I really emphasize gum when I play soul now. I feel like- I wish I did. I need to. I, yeah. I, I, I'm I glad you're saying that because that's something I need to incorporate more into my own right. game. I mean, I think that's the main- that To me, besides Fighter 2 being making my fighters better, the fact that it allows me to gum so easily is kind of my favorite aspect of it. So for me, when I was saying in the tech path, like, oh, you got to get Fighter 2, it is because I'm planning on- gumming up the works and making it difficult for people to attack me because a lot of times soul players won't win a lot of space battles. Yep. They'll hold yeah. planets underneath people. Um, but like you just kind of have to accept that, well, you're, you're, you're not going to be ahead on, on that game. Basically. Yeah. The yeah. fact that you're going for Mechatol Rex in general means that your priorities are kind of specific and you're spending a lot of command counters, which translates to money really. Um, yeah on orbital drop and and getting um an amount of spec ops on planets uh that other people just can't other yeah. people just can't match you the, the, um 
Another thing I think I, I want to emphasize real quick that you probably need to work on is your action card hand. Um, there is going to be a point in the mid to late game where there are certain cards that are you're just kind of guaranteed to face if you're going um, if you're playing this game. <laughs> um, Plague, I think, is one of them. Yeah. Uh, reactor meltdown. If you're using, if you have a space dock on Mechatol Rex or a forward dock, um, if you have a PDS on Mechatol Rex, Crippled Defenses is probably one you can count on. Yep. Um, what are some other ones, Matt? Uh, uh, Uprising is one. If you have your, inf- if you have an infantry stack on a hazardous planet, that's always a threat. Is that well, that's that's unstable planet uprising. that you're thinking of. I get them backwards. Both yeah. of them are not great, and the one that kills your infantry sucks. So, so, don't, so what this don't means do is, is you are kind of action. You you have a vulnerability to action cards, which means we need to work on your hand. We need to have a pretty good hand ourselves. A sabotage would be great if you can buy a sabotage off of a con. Oh, believe me, you should. Uh, it would be crazy if they sold it to you, but I don't know. Maybe yeah. they will. Can I can I say something about that sabotage yeah. too, though? Yeah. Save one sabotage all game. Hold on to it. No, don't let it go for anything if you can help it, because that sabotage uh, is what protects you from public disgrace in your final round. Right. When you need to do your imperial swing, unless you get your own public disgrace, then your sabotage becomes a little bit safer. But in general, the worst thing that can happen to you is you planned all game for this round five imperial take. You take imperial. Someone is too threatened by you. They play public disgrace. You don't get to draw imperial anymore. Right. But if you have a sabotage, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. So when I play soul, I fish for that sabotage and I hold on to it and I don't care what everybody else does to me. You can keep attacking me. You can take all my stuff. I am hinging on holding my home system and Mechatol Rex and that's it. That's the only part that is crucial to my plan. Right. in this final final round right. so you need to hold on to that sabotage right um let, i think it kind of feels like we're already just sort of in the late game now so let's yeah. talk about it matt you have one specific tech that you kind of swear by in the late game yes as far as soul uh, goes i i do and i think part of bringing this tech up is to say uh you are probably ahead uh and you're you need to be okay with being ahead i, I think soul wins from ahead uh and one way to help yourself along in finalizing some stuff is, like we talked about earlier, end up with Lightwave Deflector. Again, mm-hmm. you're in the center of the board with three movement carriers. You can go wherever you want. Uh, and if there comes a situation where everyone's jumping on you and you need to abandon ship and go find points elsewhere, Lightwave is how you get out of there. I've had plenty of times where, as Soul... I'm on Mechatol, and then I end up getting surrounded on Mechatol. Right. I, they cut they cut me off, and I have a decent chunk of stuff on Mechatol, but now I have nowhere to go. Lightwave is your get-out-of-jail-free card, and you mm-hmm. need to maybe pr- plan on getting it. Depends on how the table's been going against you and everything, but around three or four tech get to help you get Lightwave is very helpful. Um, I don't know. I, I it's I'm a little bit nervous to like straight up recommend Lightwave, but I want you to keep it in mind as something that could help you for when the tides turn against you because you will be ahead. And the whole point of this strategy as soul is to be okay with being ahead and finding ways to get out of the way, finding ways to stop people from hurting you and everything. Um, uh, there's there's a pretty good episode of this uh, podcast called Space Cats Peace Turtles you could check out called Win How to Win from Ahead. Uh, yeah. that I think would probably be very relevant to this conversation in general. Yeah. I wonder uh, how much we talked about soul, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, your, your biggest goal here, you have two timing windows you're really trying to hit in terms of winning the game. 
again, Imperial on round five, where you took politics round four, is kind of like the the best get that's you like can the do. dream scenario that's the dream basically. that's the dream for every faction that's why it's kind of tricky is because whoever ends up getting that politics in round four that's now the issue that you have to deal with mm-hmm. uh but if you get imperial round five you are trying to either win in round five which is typically before most people can beat you right or you're looking to sco- have your swing round in round five set up a scenario where you cannot be stopped in round six you I have think that points scenario in the bag is more that's more likely. definitely more common and you and so your goal in round two is to take something like diplo i'm not round two in round six you're trying to get diplo or leadership or maybe imperial again i wouldn't count on that but if you can win in the action phase that's great but in general you want to be in a situation where the only way people can stop you is if you take out if they take out your home system and you want to make that basically impossible to do right, uh, right. in a few situations, you can have a, a thing where you need to take out somebody else. Someone else is racing you for the win and you have it. If they don't win, that's, and, and, and that's where Lightwave becomes especially useful, right? Is if someone has been keeping toe to toe with you all game and it's you or them and they're ahead of you in initiative order, you got to find a way to crush them. Yeah. So Lightwave's a good way to do that. Fleet logistics is a great way to do that all these things you've been gearing up for all game are a good way to attack them, hurt them, do a lot of damage. I want to call out something we haven't talked about very much in this episode, which is uh, the flagship, the Genesis. I think we kind of nailed it early on and just saying like, Oh, we both kind of feel like it's a little bit of a win more, but frequently in the late game, uh, building the Genesis and stocking it with fighters is going to be a pretty solid, like you can't touch my home system right now because 12 capacity is just hard to match. Like it's just, that's just difficult. Right. Um, The other thing that's good about the flagship is generally speaking, because your soul um, people are going to uh, attack you a lot. Like you're probably going to have more than average, uh, just kind of scrapes with other people, meaning that, Generally, there's going to be fleets uh, near your home system, even in the mid game. Uh, and if you happen to get Unveil Flagship, uh, that's not the worst problem to have. And the no. Genesis is a great flagship to score that point with. Um, even, even if I had Unveil Flagship and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to save this for a kind of late game surprise win uh, to kind of catch people off guard. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even super against that because the Genesis is such a reliable flagship. Uh, the only reason it's not incorporated more into our play is it just doesn't feel like it's plugging any holes for no, soul. Definitely not. It's, right. it is that kind of win more thing, but I guess the biggest point is if you get unveil flagship, don't be afraid of that. A lot of, a lot of factions you get unveil flagship and you're kind of like, ah, crap. How am I going to make right. this work? Right. Soul doesn't have that problem at all. No. Uh, no. and it's, it's very nice to, to be in that situation, honestly. And that's a great, the biggest thing is in this late game scenario, that's a great way to finish things out, right? The best thing you can do is win off of an action phase secret objective that people couldn't stop you doing. Right. Uh, so having this surprise, swing out with your flagship that's mostly just been in your home system defending but now suddenly gets to do something bigger that's a great finishing move mm-hmm. i agree i and in fact i i love those games where i built my flagship in my home and people aren't even thinking it's unveil flagship they think it's just because i'm trying to defend myself yeah. and then they basically start coming towards my home system to stop me and then yeah that's a that's a wonderful beautiful into a game um what are some late game problems i don't even know where to start actually yeah with, well we've with been talking about it all game the biggest thing is you're getting punched constantly right. uh but the real the real problem is uh i mean first off we we should talk about nalu just a little bit 
Yeah, uh, probably. Nalu has that initiative thing that makes them very good in the late game scenarios. They're very good at winning games quickly. Like anytime, anytime your plan as a faction is like, oh, we're gonna try and we're just gonna try and get the game done with as fast as we can. Well, Nalu, you can't win faster than Nalu. Basically, right. it's impossible. Right. Uh, and so Nalu, Nalu has this tech called Neuroglave, and that makes it very difficult to deal with them once they have like a win secured. Mm-hmm. This is a just another check on the list of why to get Lightwave Deflector because Lightwave Deflector is kind of a direct counter to Neuroglave. Obviously, you're still going to lose one fleet supply, but you've been swimming in command counters. You you banked a few extra in fleet supply, and now you only have to activate like their home system from Mechatol Rex. You send the whole you know the whole kit and caboodle over there. Uh, y- you should be fine. Like it, I, I'm I'm actually not that afraid of Nalu, aside from the fact that they just will be ahead of me in initiative order. But if I set up for it properly, if I see that Nalu all game has been toe to toe with me, I need to set up for that late game scenario where I can do something about them. Right. Right. That's what you're paying attention to in the mid game and the early late game is who's right there with me. And what am I going to have to do if it's between me and them? What do I need to have so that I can do something about them? Right. Um, and what basically everything else is gravy uh no that's not true uh it's uh it's gonna be rough uh i think uh, a lot of late game soul stuff is very i feel like very difficult it's odd because when when we started covering this game soul was considered the very obviously like kind of de facto best faction next to jolnar but now i feel like something has happened which is that the meta has just kind of taken note and is just like soul's really scary and yeah. now more often than not they just get a lot of heat so you need yeah. to be you need to be ready for that and um you need to try and execute everything as as efficiently as you possibly can right. soul is very good at this like one specific thing yeah if you mess it up that you will not win don't take the weird risky maneuvers just don't yeah. do them. Find another yeah. way to get the points. You are about safe, controlled points over crazy, risky points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're like uh. Well, it's funny because I earlier I said you're like ghosts with beefy boys, but you're like uh. Because but ghosts can actually like swing out for wild points, right? Uh, somewhat. You you can't you can't really do that so much. Um, and yeah, we're just we're all about taking Mechatol Rex. And just trying to play really solid and 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 be as def- in a nice defensive stance with our slice, and hopefully we will just be able to get the points together so quickly that it will be too late by the time everyone can stop us. Basically, that's but Hunter, what if we're wrong? Well, we 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 might be, uh, which is be why wrong. we uh, ha- have done some pre errata and. Let's go, let's go to that now. Let's, let's go, go to, the to that. Let's talk about the way. So we've been talking about this with people on our Discord, and there are people who just have staunch opposition to how we're approaching this. And it's important for you, dear listener, to know what maybe your alternatives are. If right. if you have a different type of meta, maybe it's all a hunter and mat thing, and maybe your meta is just works differently, and you can get away with different types of things. So yes. let's talk about what other people have had to say about the Federation of Soul. We want to give some quick shout-outs to people that we're not going to specifically use what they said, but they were contributing to the conversation in great, interesting ways that helped inform a lot of stuff we've been talking about already, but also played into the conversations that the rest of this errata 
uh, comes from. I want to call out uh, Lathyrus, Rogue, uh, Rough Fudge. That's super great. Uh, and Anti, you uh, three had some great points. We're not uh, specifically referencing them, but it was a part of a larger conversation. Let's hit up our first one, which is from Brian, the blogger of Meme Town. Uh, he says, Soul with Warfare, round one, can eat someone's home system. And you say they shouldn't eat two slices because they'll get attacked all day, but they'll already get attacked all day, so whatever. This is a dangerous proposal from from Brian, uh, but falls in line to me with what we're proposing more generally speaking, right? Right, right. Um, I think that this definitely sounds possible to play Soul this aggressively. It's hard to imagine, though, that you don't just kind of get backdoored by your other neighbor. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they really have the... I, I, that just sounds like a lot to control. Um, Mechatol Rex is one thing. It's it's in the center of the map, uh, and yeah. it's not crazy far away from... It, I mean, it's the same distance as another home system, but at the very least, it's not something where the second you take Mechatol Rex, it puts uh, any of the players on super high alert. The second you take someone else's home system, you are enemy number one for at least that player. Uh, Brian also is uh, a math nut uh, and had, had something else to say. I, I want to say one thing too about that is I just agree with the sentiment in general that you're going to get attacked no, kind of no matter what you do. So it's okay sometimes to lean into things that get you attacked. Uh, right. But from a uh, math heavy note, if someone brings one dreadnought, with plasma scoring and two infantry, their odds of them successfully taking a planet from you as soul with spec uh, three spec ops, just once, not even spec ops two, um, but their plan is to bombard and then win a 2v1 or whatever is less than 25%. Uh, therefore, until round three-ish, until your mid game, three or more infantry on a planet is basically more than anyone else can deal with. Right. Uh, so that's, uh, that's a, another uh, slot of why we want to orbital drop as much as we can early on, because right. that's what defends us. People aren't going to see any value in attacking your stuff early if they know they can't get the planets. So what's even the point of taking out the ships? The only time people do the big stuff is in the later game when it's like, I have to do something about soul. But in the early game, you can secure your position just by getting more and more and more infantry down and making your stuff very, very, uh, just not useful for people to even make the attempt at trying to take. Right. Um, I really like just the specific call out of three. Three is such a, a good number of duders. And I think yeah. it's very easy for people to listen to us talk about this and think like, oh, I just need to do orbital drop like a crazy excessive amount of times. We're we're talking about doing it like, you know, a couple times per round yeah. max. Like right. that's that's like the most we're talking about. And that's like in the mid game once you've got like a healthy supply of command counters, hopefully. Yeah. Um but yeah, don't don't take what we're saying and run with it to such an extent that like you're basically hamstringing yourself by only yes. doing orbital drop and you have you, like five or six guys on like every right. planet. Like I'm not even sure that's really possible, but just I would hate someone to hear this and think like, oh, right. they said do orbital drop a bunch, and it's like, yeah, right. But three is pretty good for a while. Three is good for a while. You you want to make sure you still have actions available. You still want to do lots of other stuff. Orbital drop is just kind of in service of stalling out so that you could do other stuff while equally defending yourself. Uh, yeah. RJ King had quite a lot to say. RJ King uh, kind of 
very much opposes what we've laid out here today. He probably listened to this. RJ, if you're out there, I know you listened to this and you went, I disagree. Here's RJ's thing. In games I have been in, when they do that, that being take Mechatol, take the early lead. Who cares? Uh, RJ says that the table guts them and they lose. They are good, but they're not good enough to stop five other players who can see their win three rounds ahead of time. But I have been in a few games where Seoul stayed tied in second or third all game and swung into the win. They have a lot of flexibility with objectives other races don't have, so I think swing rounds are easier for them. I think that's really valid. Uh, it is. Like, and I, th- I think we kind of laid that out as like, if Mechatol Rex is unavailable to you, then that's kind of what you have to play at. Yeah, we see it as the backup plan more than the plan. Right. Um, I don't know that I. This feels like maybe uh, a meta problem and less a mechanical problem, though. Maybe. Um, I feel like the idea that we're kind of laying out here is that you are kind of in this Venn diagram of doing things quickly and also being good at holding Mechatol Rex. Yeah. Um. So and maybe and maybe we've made a huge mistake here. Maybe the problem is that we we can't resist. There's this carrot hanging, and we can't resist <laughs> yeah. grabbing for it. But I gotta say, in in a lot of the games where I did not play boldly as Soul, I lost, including a game against RJ King, right, <laughs> right at Gen Con, where I specifically was like, I'll not go for Mechatol, and then it wasn't working out for me. Uh, and then he, and then about midway through that game, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna make a play for Mechatol." Someone, someone left it open, and then RJ used uh, Plague on me. And that was kind of it. He got a very good plague. By the way, Matt, yeah. plague is a very good card. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Slow down. Stop it. I, well, I plague won't is even very listen. good. I won't listen. Nope. If he was using loaded die, obviously, obviously, um, which uh, that's that's how he did it. So the the biggest point here that I think RJ brings up that I want to make the counter argument against is talking about yes, you do have the flexibility with objectives, but what I think Hunter and I have laid out is the more solid mechanical method to winning and hinges on how badly does the meta strike against you. And that that's, that's where your bad luck can come up. Uh, but what I think RJ is proposing and what has happened to me, what my experience with RJ's method has been, you rely a lot more on getting lucky secret objectives. Uh, you, you, in, in RJ's method, you're not getting any extra points outside right of the objectives, which means you need the objectives to work for you. Obviously, Soul's advantage is that a lot of the objectives do work for you, but there are plenty that don't. So it is a, you're rolling the dice on whether or not you get the right objectives, whether or not the right stage two comes up and whether or not you get three good secret objectives. I had a game where I chose not to go Mechatol and was trying to get lots of secret objectives. And the first three secret objectives I drew were absolutely terrible for me, more or less like, not impossible, I'll, I'll almost never say impossible, but would have taken such extreme effort from me that I would have given up my ability to do anything else. Uh, and so I don't like leaning on that luck of getting good secret objective draws when I could do, when I could lean on free points and plan for people attacking me and just defending well enough that that doesn't hurt me too bad. Because he says you're not good enough to stop all five players from hurting you, but the reality is all five players are not going to attack you constantly nonstop all game. You'll get like two people that don't leave you alone and three others that maybe attack you once at random intervals. Sure. Or or that 
those five other players, like it's, it's hard to get five players to all agree to do yeah. one specific well, thing. And ideally one of those players, you have a support for the throne swap with. So you've checked that list off. Now it's four. One of them is across the table from you and not in a position to do anything about it. Like you, you need to set up such a, this is what the gum is important for. We are making a plan to have it where those players don't have an easy path to stopping us. Right. Um, and also, I think in general, it's kind of hard to purposely stay like the the. I think the part that's hard to it would it would be hard to put into our guide a a idea of like specifically trying to stay tied in second or third. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like how do you how do you specifically I, measure out right your your game experience and and hold back to such an extent but not too much so that the other players don't just right. kind of finish the game off for you because the thing is too generally speaking if you're not the guy on Mechatol Rex then somebody else is yes definitely and and also to to talk about what you're saying there with like staying in a certain position maybe this is a flaw of me as as a player but if i have an opportunity to score a point I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna just not score a point that I have access to. Uh, I won't. I I often stretch too thin for other points, and I need right. to reel that in a little bit. But in general, like I would, I, I feel like if you are making a point to stay within a range of victory points, you would at some point, as soul, have to be like, well, I have the tech, but I just am not gonna score it this round. I'm just not gonna score it because I don't want to be in the front of the pack. It's so easy to score a soul, you're almost guaranteed to be at the front of the pack. Yeah. Even now, without Mechatol. Now to RJ King's credit though, this is very cons what he is saying is very consistent with what we have seen in the community. Um we haven't it's weird. Soul has this reverence as like being this very, very strong faction, but they did not they do not fare too hot as far as we can tell in like very experienced games. Yeah. Uh, which I actually think just might be a feature of the faction. I yeah. think people are maybe, um, I think in a weird way, soul might be overestimated a little bit. Absolutely. Um, they are, they are a very like kind of clear cut kind of elegant faction. But I think if players are finding that, Oh, like in more experienced circles, soul doesn't fare that well. Uh, it could just be a meta thing, but it also could be that is this, Maybe this faction is not the end-all be-all that they have been described as. Yeah. I personally think that for some reason, we have all kind of gotten Nalu and Soul kind of switched in yeah, our heads. Yeah, right, right. Nalu like, wins what? way more often than Soul does, and we do right. not see Nalu get under just like the most intense heat every single yeah, game. Yeah, the, the meta against Nalu feels very chill, as compared to Soul, where it feels very, very hot. But yeah. I think those those out there that have such a strong meta against Soul, I just want to let you guys know, you're doing a good job. Like, it, yeah, right. It, you it's, should it's, do it's that. A, <laughs> it's effective. I just always wonder why Nalu is not on the same yeah. list. Because, uh, yeah, that's where I would... That's And I, I feel like I lately have been trying to push more meta against Nalu and not really getting a lot of people, I feel like, on the same page. Yeah. Uh, let's segue into Schroeder's point. Uh, Schroeder yeah, says, Schroeder. I ultimately feel like there are two souls. One soul is what we've been describing all day, which he describes as, screw you, I got mine, which right. is the take the lead, whatever. They'll deal with it. You'll figure it out. You'll handle yourself. Number two is everyone's got ground forces, but I've got all of the money. Yeah. Uh, what that means he says, is he you says are selling. All, no, no, no. He says, but I got got all them money, yo. 
He's got all the money, yo. What he's referring to is selling military support all the time. Right. He's talking about our backup plan more than anything. Uh, But Schroeder says the latter requires a meta where you can make trades and thus tends to require you are not super far ahead. But it is, at the very least, a good fallback for when you don't have a secure Mechatol path. Did someone get there first, or do you think you won't get the point from Imperial? Well, you can be the economic powerhouse instead. And we kind of incorporated this idea into our guide some, and I think it builds off of what RJ said as well, which is just to say, if Mechatol Rex becomes a problem for you that you can't handle, you do have this economic backup plan that works right. quite well if you push it in the right ways and there's right. something to be said for gunning for that early and then taking mechatol in like round three or four if the opportunity you know presents, presents itself. itself but that's that's trickier to predict so it's easier to just take and hold uh but there's certainly not, you can be the economic powerhouse it is possible if you are not the as threatening version of soul right um yeah i i I really like this description, and it's a very Schroeder description. It, it it's funny because I feel like Schroeder always makes a way. He always turns any faction he plays, he can turn into an economic powerhouse. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'll never forget that Sardak Nor game where it just felt like I don't even know what faction it is that I'm looking at because they're unrecognizable <laughs> from Sardak. Uh, yeah, so I feel like I feel like we could probably have Schroeder pre-errata every faction and be like, did you know that you can actually? just trade all of everything that this faction has and become an economic powerhouse. <laughs> but it is, but no, 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 no. But Sol is a four commodity faction and they have, a, they have a very good promissory note. It's very true. Um, I think me and Matt are still kind of just on the more active and less passive side when it comes yeah. to Sol. Um, yeah. I think that there, that I think also I need to see, uh, I need to see this played very well. Because yeah. I have I not seen this, like, like I, I recognize the potential there, and I've seen some people kind of lean into that uh, with some success. Uh, but I haven't really seen a lot of, like, soul, like, kind of laying back, just working on getting a lot of trade goods and, like, then yeah. kind of yeah. going after things in the mid and late, late game. I, I'd love to give that. it another go where I try to take trade as often as possible and all of that. I, I would, I, I didn't get a fair shake at it. I don't feel like, and I, I did try, but it's hard to predict who else is going to be at your table. If I tried to be economic powerhouse soul and Schroeder was at my table, I, I'm, it's not going to work because Schroeder's going to be the economic powerhouse at the right. table and everyone's going to deal with schroeder and i won't get a word in edgewise right so uh, it, if, it's very very meta dependent on if you can make this definitely work yeah and i think me and you are both coming into this uh guide from a very like there's a lot of anti-soul meta out there and we are kind of trying to emphasize like how you should respond to it yeah but yet still go after a lot of the same goals that's essentially what we're trying to do is update the old guide by saying yes people know about this but here's kind of like the best way we can figure for you to execute um the the plan and i and i realize people hearing that are like well this this not a not a very good plan but i think blark knob kind of puts it best kind of puts the bow on this conversation um, Blark Knob says, Soul has a lot of raw power, zero disadvantages, and the most straightforward tech path. Beginners can just stumble into a big win with them by following the signposts on their faction sheet. I think that that is probably the best way to describe Soul. 
basically. Yeah. They're powerful, yeah. no disadvantages, and it's just obvious what to do. So I mean, like, if 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 maybe some of the more um, experienced players that that follow us um, are listening to this episode and, and they're like, oh, this like didn't tell me a lot of new stuff. There's a reason we're starting this project again with Soul. Yeah, Because they, they are the ones that it is so fun and also just kind of easy to like dig into them and describe what exactly you should do with Soul and what um, what you can expect to see happen um, in response to it. So yeah. I think if if uh, if maybe this wasn't quite your cup of tea, as we talk about other factions, it's gonna get messier. It's gonna yeah. get more <laughs> definitely. Um, it's gonna get less uh, completely planned out. Uh, well, and ultimately and, more theory crafty. Yeah, and and the big thing with that too is, if anything, I mean, the point of a strategy guide, the whole reason we're doing these, is more for uh, newer players, people who don't get to play all the time. When right. we're talking to these players who play Tabletop Simulator three times a week, like, yeah, you guys are in a different world. You're in a whole different ball game. All these people who are our routine tournament finalists you are playing a different game that sometimes these strategy guys won't adhere to because what you're playing is a game that can't have a strategy guide, if that makes sense. Right. You are playing against players that all know each other's strategies, which means all you are constantly trying to do is subvert their expectations and change something up about your strategy because that's the only way you're going to win. So yeah, at absolute top highest echelon play, this soul guide might not get you there because people can see your signposts and know how to thwart you. But in anything less than that, you're probably going to have a decently fair shake. Right. I agree. Um, And I think our, our guides in general are going to try and be kind of a midway point between those. I think so. Not completely beginner. Like honestly, uh, they're informed uh, by experienced players. We have now watched many of these players play many times and we have seen things that have worked very, very well for them. And we're trying to be informed by those things because you and I, in the first round strategy guides, we were just going off of our own games and it was wholly dependent on our own meta at that time. Now we get to see a bit more of the global meta and make more informed decisions for that. Yeah. And I, uh, I actually really, uh, enjoy this and I hope that, I hope that every single guide will basically be us describing, uh, exactly how we view a certain faction for a while and then kind of bringing in the naysayers for that moment and then just yep. kind of having this great back and forth. Um, and Absolutely. I just, I want to say thank you to, I want to thank Brian, RJ King, Schroeder and Blark Knob um, for just giving us those points that were really, really useful um, for yeah. this part of the discussion. Um, I especially, I actually, I just want to go ahead and especially thank RJ King for really just like, not, like yeah. not disagreeing so strongly because it's good for us to have it this. Is. And I think that's what he makes it. He stuck to his so guns. Fun. He's the only person who kind of like very, very, very strongly opposed what we were trying to put forward. And he never backed down. And we never had a confrontational argument about it. It was just like a let's continue to grow what we both understand about this. And I, I loved it. It was a really great conversation where we, uh, I, I, I definitely gained a lot from it in how to reshape what I think about soul and how to deal with those meta issues that there is potentially an alternative. And the idea that there being an alternative can inform what you are doing, even in your own strategy. Yeah. Um, I am interested now in watching someone play soul and not playing myself yep. because I am I tired not, of, <laughs> I'm <playing>. done. <laughs> I'm done playing soul for as long as I possibly can. Yeah. So 
let's that's it that's that's the energy we're gonna end this episode on love <laughs> uh love you bye uh anyways uh rate your rate us please please rate us on uh on your podcast and uh, of app of choice, especially Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, uh, rate us on you know hot or not as well. We're on that. <laughs> uh, we're on Tinder. Uh, I I I made a Tinder for us, uh, and I and I it's me on it, uh, but it's called Space Cats Peace Turtles. And if you match with me, we're gonna play a game somewhere. <laughs> Anyways, uh, check out our tweeter. Uh, for it's called Space Cats Pod, and uh, it's got game updates there. And we kind of we try and uh, s- shoot stuff at people, and just be well, like, "Hey, we're here's- trying to we're trying to gear up uh, more streaming." And a lot of times, the streaming announcements are there. So if you want to catch us, catch live streams, yes. that's like one of the best places to find out if a stream is popping up. Because sometimes we're trying to get more a little bit more into a routine with them. So that's a really great way to find out uh, when when our schedule of stream games is coming. Yeah, Gen Con kind of messed it up, but now we're kind of getting to the point where we're starting to build the schedule back up again. Uh, yeah. So I would expect to see more content on that. And on our Twitch, we should also check out our Twitch, which is also just called Space Cats Peace Turtles. Um, so go ahead and follow that for whenever we go live or whatever. Yeah. Um, check out our Facebook. Uh, you can get some announcements there. And that's also a good place to uh, send us messages if you have like rules questions or stuff like that. Um, the subreddit Twilight Imperium is a place where we post weekly, and there's also some discussion there. Um, Patreon, check it out. We got one. Uh, there are lots of different tiers of lots of different services. Uh, and, and one of those services that you don't e- that you get by not even being in the Patreon is episodes that are excess of two hours. My brain is starting to scramble. I'm, ex- Anyways, I'm exploding. <laughs> check out the Discord for fun conversations. <laughs> uh, you can have fun conversations with other people. You can have fun conversations with Matt. And if you call me out publicly, I'll say, hey, what up? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my contribution to that. But uh, I also want to say, in general, um, there is a day coming uh, forward hopefully where i will have more free time and some of that free time will be me trying to be on the discord more so there's that Uh, that's weird so you can just kind of sit and hope that maybe that will happen if that's something that you want to do and that's okay that's it we're sleepy we're sleepy this is we haven't had an episode like this in a long time uh intentionally so but we were not going to split this one up so there you go you get your two-hour episode you lucky so-and-so you lucky so-and-so we prepped this episode for hours and now it and it took two hours to record it it is 10 40 i started a soul game this morning at 9 a.m i have been twilight imperium for 13 hours and 40 minutes good night Good night. Hey, good night and good soul luck. <laughs> nope. I we wanted to have a bit. I wanted to have something good to go out on. That wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> good night and good Chuck. <laughs> good Chuck. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, nothing more to see here. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>